Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, your number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is the fantastic, the great detective of the North, Colleen. How are you? Good. How's it going? Doing well. I'm enjoying life. I'm, I'm here for the party, you know? Here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> you, you know it. That, that's not really accurate when we're talking about a Detective Conan rewatch podcast. We're in for a very <laughs> long time, unfortunately. Unfortunately? Why? <laughs> well, I just mean, I was thinking earlier today about how much more of this podcast I have. We, sorry, we get, we have the pleasure of doing, <laughs> and it was kind of overwhelming. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And so I just kind of sat around for an hour, not doing anything. That's, that's what dread. happens when you pick a series that hasn't even ended yet. You know, I could have done Paranoia Agent, 12 episodes. Sure. would have been so nice, so easy. Instead, I picked Conan. <laughs> but those are the choices you have to live with, and I enjoy the podcast each week. Especially talking with you, Colleen. Um, and especially when we have such interesting uh, two-parters like today, the scuba diving murder case. We're covering episode 114 and 115 today. Uh, the first part aired on August 24th, 1998. How much of this case did you remember going into it, Colleen? Uh, I can't say I remembered much. Maybe just the snake bite. That was about it. <laughs> yeah, so I remembered the one like key moment, which is that the uh, bride-to-be, like, did it by herself, but I totally forgot about, like, the rest of the case. I had no clue when Kona was like, but it's a murder. I was like, oh, so she didn't, like, I th- I didn't know she just faked the drowning. In my memory, she faked the bite, to, or, you know, she, like, got herself bit on purpose or something. Right. So, like, when it when it came out that uh, there was somebody else, I was like, oh, crap, I don't remember. And then I totally forgot that Eri was involved in this case, so, uh, I was quite quite excited when I saw that. I always love seeing Kegaro and his ex-wife fight. <laughs> Duke it out, for sure. So the Conan's hint for this episode... Wait. That cannot be the right hint. One second. There wasn't a feather in this episode, was there? Don't think so. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna guess it, was. it yeah. was Fanny Pack. Maybe it was Snake. It says feather, what the... Right, Where was there it. a feather? There wasn't a feather. <laughs> like, these um, previews got so messed up that I can't actually remember what the right clue was for this episode. Because they kept, like, switching. The... I don't know. The wiki says feather. I don't. I never saw a feather. Oh, well. So <laughs> this is we'll going to be a great feather. review when neither of wow. us spotted the Conan scent. <laughs> I don't. I sincerely do not think there's a feather. What are you? Just control F on the Canon Wiki summary here for Feather. Not mentioned a single time, so just it wasn't just me that didn't note a feather. Yeah, we're so professional here. We are professional. This is the type of legwork other podcasts aren't willing to do, but we are. We the ultimate are. detective Conan fans. Kinda introduces the episode by saying the white sands of Easy's Beach will be our stage today. Relationships can take many forms. The episode opens with Ron on the phone confirming plans for the weekend with somebody and being really excited about it. This wakes Conan up, and he's told that she's just talking to a friend of hers before she gleefully walks back to her room. Immediately, you know that Ron's up to no good and has some type of plan going on. 
Oh, well, she doesn't fool me anymore. Whenever it looks like she's setting up a, a date with someone, uh, I automatically think that it has something to do with her mom. The next day, Ron invites her father to go swimming at a private beach in Izu in a state at a fancy hotel. Kikura says it has been a while since his last vacation, but he'd rather drink and sleep at home. Ron says that she already made a promise and then intimidates Conan into saying he wants to go swimming. She just gives him this death glare. It's kind of like what I, I picture when, like, Colleen's giving me the silent treatment. I assume she's giving a similar <laughs> stare at me during the podcast. What else am I supposed to... Like, that's the stare that women make. It's like the, oh, really? Hmm? To convince her father, she says that there's a lot of young, healthy girls in swimsuits at that beach. And that's just a trick for him. Conan's initially really confused as Ron never talks that way. But it works, and, uh... Kegger is all horny now. Yeah, my uh, sub kept saying, kept translating, and maybe this is actually what Kogoro said. It just sounds funny in English. He's just like healthy babes, <laughs> and he kept using the word healthy all the time. So yeah, you know, I love a I love a young healthy babe. Yeah, but I don't think he's talking about someone who you know is gluten free and doesn't eat GMO and things like that. You know how you say healthy, Colin? What do you? How? Having a fat ass. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All that butter. So, uh, while driving to the beach, Ron remarks how beautiful it is while Kogoro says that healthy beach babes are calling out for me. That's how That's how I act whenever I'm going to the beach. I'm just excited to see some healthy beach babes. <laughs> you just stand in the middle of the beach and start yelling, any healthy babes here? I'm looking for somebody who is on a strict diet. Well, you know, that's what works. That's how you find you know, your true love out in this world. Who drinks plenty of water. Once they arrive at the Queen Hotel, Conan notices Ron looking around for someone, but she says it's nothing. Kegaro is then confused as to why Ron got two rooms instead of a suite, and Conan says that something is going on. Ron then asks her dad how she looks in her new swimsuit, but he tells her to shush, and that he doesn't want any girls to think I care about their swimsuits. Because... God knows he would not care about that. You know, I found that really funny, that comment that he made, because I thought for sure he'd say something like, oh, I don't want any of these girls knowing that I have a teenage daughter. <laughs> but it wasn't that at all. So immediately after saying this, Kegger spots a young lady with a nice body, and he offers to rub tanning oil on her, and this winds up being none other than his wife, Aerie, and everybody but Ron is confused to see each other. Ron then calls it a beautiful coincidence, and everybody realizes that they were set up by her. Classic Ron <laughs> meddling here. It worked. <laughs> I think it's I think it's so cute how she wants them to get back together. Oh, totally. I am so behind Ron on this. Well, on most stuff, but especially on her parents getting back together. Shortly afterward, Ron apologizes to her parents and tells them to enjoy the beach. They're not very amused. Kegger then says that he was enjoying it until an old lady appeared in a hot <laughs> swimsuit. I like how Aerie wasn't hot, it was just her swimsuit. Yeah. Uh, Aerie then replies by asking, Who was that old man that started blabbering vile things to that old lady? And uh, Kegger gets upset, so he leaves to go to the bathroom. And Ron says that he must be shy as he hasn't seen her mother in quite some time. Ron then realizes that her mom's not wearing her wedding ring. And says that she removed it on purpose to see if Kogoro would notice or not. If he noticed, I might have believed there was still hope for us, she says. So what'd you think about this little 
game Ari was playing? Uh, well, first I thought uh, I didn't think much of it, but then as the episode progressed, it just became kind of a theme of the episode since uh, some of the other characters were doing it. So it, it was kind of interesting to see how uh, you had those two plot lines using similar kind of devices or tricks um, by both Aerie and then the the bride to be or whoever. Um, I also had hope for Kogoro. I mean, after you know he didn't apparently notice the ring, it was it just really really seemed like Kogoro was you know oblivious to it, but uh, actually had a happy ending. Aerie says that her life is a failure and that she should just wrap up the separation and start over again, much to Ron's dismay. Aerie then tells Conan not to become like Kogoro, and in his head, Conan remarks that it could never happen no matter how hard he tried. <laughs> Ron wonders why her father isn't back yet, and Aerie says that he's probably hitting on girls on the beach. Ron says that isn't possible, and then immediately hears Kogoro's boisterous laugh <laughs> as he's talking to two female fans of his. It's like Kogoro's in the room with us. I know. <laughs> Kogoro says he's honored to have such beautiful female fans, which causes Ron to say that he probably just bumped into them. However, Ari says to look at his legs, as he still has sand coming up to his knees, so he was outside rather than washing up. Ari then wonders if he brought them inside in order to show off to her. Such a worthless man, she says. Were you agreeing with uh, Ari here? Were you thinking that Kogoro was blowing it? Uh, yeah. At this moment, yeah, I was like, oh, that's kind of sleazy, Kogoro. So Ron yells at her father, and he then introduces his fans to his family. One is Toda Kawako, and the other is Matsuzaki Harumi, who are both university students. Harumi remarks how cute Conan is and asks if he's Kogoro's son, but the detective just calls him a freeloader instead. <laughs> I love, I love that. how, Yeah, I love how, like, 100 plus episodes, 100 cases they've been on, and Conan's still just this worthless freeloader, too. Well, yeah, but, like, in their universe, it's been, what, maybe two months or something? <laughs> he then introduces Ron, and then Ari interrupts to call herself his former wife. And they're like, oh, snap. Yep. <laughs> Divorce. The awkward moment is broken up when a male student named Kawazu Kunio places his hand on Kogoro and tells him that at his age, it's not a good idea to meddle with students. Kunio then tells his friend Matsuzaki Masahiko to say something as his sister and fiancé are being proud upon. Guy then brushes it off and says that the guy looks like a celebrity. Harumi explains who Kagero is, and Kiwako invites Conan and the rest to come eat with them at the seaside restaurant at the other side of the hotel. So what do you think about all these uh, students here? Uh, yeah, I was checking it all in. I found it interesting that it was the girls that were really into Kogoro, and the guys were like, who's this creep? Like, obviously, they're not uh, mystery fans or anything, but, uh, yeah, interesting set of characters, I suppose. Hey, man, is a cool guy. Absolutely. How can you not like him? Much like myself, we have a way with the ladies. Right. During the meal, we learn that all these students are from the University Scuba Diving Club, and that they went for a dive prior to lunch. Kiwako and Masahiko are getting married next week, and their last dives as singles will be tomorrow. Harumi says that her brother can't swim, and it was initially difficult to get him to join. Have you ever gone diving? Scuba diving, Colin? No, it's on my list, though. I've been snorkeling. I've, yeah. Of, of course you've been snorkeling. <laughs> I mean, it's just swimming with a tube in your mouth. You would. You would. You snorkeler. 
you just you just sound like a snorkeler, probably. <laughs> yes, it's my lovely nasally voice. I love the snorkel. <laughs> yep, that's. Oh my gosh, that sounded just like me. Well, you know, I'm a master of impressions. What can I say? Yeah. Ron gets excited when she learns that Kiwako and Masahiko were childhood friends, and says it's just like her parents. Kagura then wonders how many couples have cried over that illusion, and Eri says that those who marry close friends know very well that grasping onto such illusions is an act of stupidity. I don't think there's going to be a happy ending for this couple. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, this is one of my favorite moments here. Kagura tells Masahiko to contact his detective agency if he's worried about his <laughs> wife being unfaithful, and Eri tells Kiwaku to go to her law office if she wants a divorce later on. And they each give them their business cards. Real, real good scene. Oh, absolutely. And I think wasn't there like a a mountain or something in the background? Like, <laughs> there was some sort of uh, yeah. I don't know scenery added to add to the mood. Kunia asks what happened to Masahiko's other friend, and he explains that Ito Hiroshi said he was going snorkeling after the dive. He's probably out with Colleen. <laughs> Totally. Harumi explains that snorkeling is diving without an air tank, but Colleen already explained that, so I could have probably cut that one out. <laughs> they have a laugh about Hiroshi preferring the sea to women, and then Kiwaku longingly looks at the ocean. She then asks Harumi to get a new towel from their room and says that she's going to take a dive. Harumi asks if that's a good idea, that she's been drinking, but she says she's fine. Kunio offers to go with her, but she says that she wants to dive solo and runs off reminding her friend to get a towel. What do you think about this diving while under the influence, Colleen? Oh, well, I don't know if it's uh, very Would you ever now. snorkel? Would you ever snorkel after some shots? No. <laughs> that that would never happen. Yeah. You say so, Colleen. I do. I don't know. I could see you getting a little tipsy and snorkeling. <laughs> well, what about what you? If, what if you had, like, an apple teeny? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. You sure? I, I snorkel with, like, full awareness of my senses. Okay, if you say so. So, later on, Kona notices that the sea is getting rough, and Hiroshi appears at Kunio. He asks where Kiwako is, and reveals that he never saw her while he was out there. Hermi then spots her in the ocean, but she sees that she's gasping for air, and that she's drowning. Oh my, Colleen. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. Uh, at first, I was like, not buy. I guess I didn't buy it at first, and then when the whole rescue thing happened, maybe that's what convinced me a little more. You didn't think she was drowning? Um, no. <laughs> I I thought you were supposed to believe women, Colleen. What's with this? Uh, <laughs> thinking they're lying. Jeez. I am always on the side of truth. <laughs> so if a woman lies, then. We got a problem. I see. So Masahiko runs in to save his fiance, but gets pulled back by Hiroshi since he can't swim. He then carries her to safety, and Kiwako is glad that her husband-to-be tried to save her. Ron then fills something in the water and dives below to spot a black and white striped snake in the water. Have you ever seen a sea snake? Not a black and white one. Maybe I've seen like a lake or a river snake or something. So I was quite surprised at the appearance of the snake. Yeah, I didn't know there were, like, snakes in the ocean. That's kind of wild. Yeah. So I take it you've never come across one uh, while you were scuba diving? I've never gone scuba diving. Nor snorkeling, so. 
I don't live the adventurous life that you do, Colin. Oh, yeah. Sure. Adventure. So Kiwako passes out while Masahiko carries her back to the beach and kind of informs everybody that she may have been bitten. They then find a bite mark on her left hand and use Masahiko's handkerchief to tie her arm. Roshi then sucks the venom out of her, which is uh, quite the romantic scene. Yeah, but it's with the wrong guy. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about that? That he's just sucking on her hand? Oh, I thought it was fine. I mean, it would be a little more provocative if it was, you know, some other part of her body, maybe, but I think the hand's innocent. It's like he, you know, gentlemen will lay a kiss upon a lady's hand, or they used to, at least. So you're saying you want somebody to suck on your hand? No, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, longer than... I don't know, two seconds would be kind of weird. Unless they were trying to save me from a snake bite. Alright, so two seconds maximum. On... <laughs> two seconds sucking is fine. It's not It's not even a finger, it's just you're getting all, oh, up no, on that Oh no, no, fingers are a different story. Like, that's a no-go. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a no-go? That seems more normal to suck on. You know, kids suck their thumbs and stuff. Oh, okay, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were talking like index fingers or something. Well, no, no. Well, let's not get... <laughs> Lewd, I'm talking maybe your ring finger. Maybe <laughs> What's the it. difference? <laughs> An index finger. That was not... Whoa, Colleen, this is you a You don't PG know where that's podcast. been. Yeah, come on. Disgusting. These Canadian girls can't trust them. <laughs> we are wild. Snorkeling and hand sucking for two seconds. Crazy girls. <laughs> Ron says that the sea snake was about 40 centimeters long, and Kenan tells the restaurant to call an ambulance. He then grabs the iced tea on the table, and Aerie says that it has tannin in it, which can be used to clean the wound and alleviate the poison. Kegger is surprised that he would know about it, and Aerie says that he's quite smart. More importantly, the ex-policeman here doesn't seem to know a thing about this, she says. Aerie then calls the ambulance and tells Kegger to make the cook boil some coarse tea with high tannin concentration in it. So I always like when we get some facts from Kenan that can help us in a real-life scenario. If we ever come across a sea snake, we know to use some tea to uh, uh, fight the poison. Yeah, I loved it. I, I learned something. Uh, and in Kogoro's defense, like not every policeman has to be an expert in poison. So it's all, it's all good. He makes up for it. An ambulance arrives and Matsuhika rides with Kiwako to the hospital. They didn't take Ron to look at a book of sea snakes in order to identify what she saw. And she says it was the Irabu sea snake. And she's told that sometimes they ride the black stream and wind up in the area. He says that while their bites can be lethal, they're typically very tame and wouldn't attack a human for no reason. <laughs> I love this hotel manager guy, whoever he was. Like He's all of a sudden an expert on the Irabu sea snake. He's like, they're actually really <laughs> friendly. Yeah, he- it, it sounds like he has one as a pet at his <laughs> home, and he's like, they're actually very nice. Yeah, I have one. His name's Fred. His name should be John. No, <laughs> John. I'm sorry, he, John. Yeah, he uses the stake to kill somebody. Oh, he's like, no. John! I'm sorry, John! Well, okay, we can talk about it later, but I do have a question about the snake later on. Oh, okay. So, this is the first time that someone at the hotel has been bitten by one. Ron also asks if it's possible for the species that have wings, as she thought she saw small ones on its sides, 
that species doesn't have them. Rumi says it might have just been seaweed that got stuck to it. Kegare congratulates his daughter on her observations, and Eri says that it's not at all like the man who didn't even notice his wife's bare ring finger. Damn. So she's calling out Kegare. Oh, Kase. Yeah. I'm just Googling snake with wings now. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoying that? Oh, I don't know. Do you know many snakes that have wings? Oh, yeah. All the snakes. Are there snakes with wings? I don't know. Um, there's a flying snake. A winged serpent. Does it actually have wings? I don't, I'm not seeing any wings. This thing. Anyways, she just makes it sound like, oh, is it one of those snakes that have wings? As if it's such a commonplace occurrence in reptiles. Sea snakes with wings. Oh, uh, is there a snake with wings? Uh, there was one five million years ago. Yeah, I don't think there's many. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think old Rod is a little off on that one. <laughs> Anyways, you, you heard it here, folks. The facts. Roshi calls the hospital to tell them about the type of sea snake and says it must have been an accident. However, Conan believes the fang marks show that somebody held a sea snake and forced it to bite Kiwako. Conan says nobody that went to rescue her likely did it, as only an idiot would prepare and hold a sea snake without knowing whether or not she'd drown. He's in love thinking Hiroshi is the only suspect, as he could have turned the sea snake on her while she was in the sea, but he also saved her life, so why would he do that if he was trying to kill her? Either way, the culprit is one of the four in the scuba group. So, who are you thinking was the culprit here? Oh, I was all over the place with this one. Um, at first I thought it was the fiancé. Then I thought it was the guy who ended up saving her. And then, in part two, my suspicions uh, went more towards uh, Harumi, the, the other girl in the group. So, yeah, like I said, I was all over the place. See, maybe it's just because I respect women so much, but I never suspected uh, the other woman of being the murder suspect here. Because uh, later on in episode two, we have that guy that mentions that he was in love with her and i was like oh maybe he did it but i always thought it was one of the guys oh yeah the guy who has shiratori's yeah, haircut I thought it was one of the guys i never never thought a a graceful young a healthy young beach babe <laughs> could uh commit murder yep that's why uh you you like women more than i do so the next kind of intent is ring which is definitely a hint, <laughs> yeah that, so. that's the one so other than feather, that is definitely there. Maybe it's the Maybe feather they meant, like, of the wings. Wind. Yeah, the yeah, wing snake. That's what it probably was. Wings. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. We figured it out. We got it figured out. Yeah, high that's five. That's why we're the number one Detective Cannon Rewatch podcast. So what would you think about this first part of the two-parter? I was digging it. Um, I liked uh, sort of the whole dynamic between Arian Kogro and... Conan always doing his little peanut gallery commentary on what was going on. It was kind of funny that uh, while Ron was setting up the whole meeting for at the beach and all that, Conan's just like, something's up, but he never bothered to really look into it. Like, that wasn't a mystery enough for him, really. Um, but yeah, the uh, we had an interesting cast of characters. I mean... We didn't learn much about their backgrounds other than some were childhood friends. So I guess if I paid more attention to that aspect, I would have maybe appreciated more in the second part. But 
like they luckily re-explain it again and they uh go into enough detail that uh you don't really lose out if you didn't pay attention to that in the first part yeah i thought it was a really strong first episode i really enjoyed the whole eerie and kegaro bickering and wondering how that's gonna wind up then like attempted murder is really interesting because you know you're like who did it who had the snake on them so that's also interesting. I thought it was a really good setting up for a two-parter. You know, sometimes we have these episodes that aren't really paced correctly or, you know, there's kind of like a boring half. But uh, I thought this was really well-paced and I was really excited to get into the second part here. Yeah. So let's go. Okay, geez. Uh, episode <laughs> 115, Scuba Diving Murder Case Part 2. This originally aired August 31st, 1998. He kind of says, today's episode is all about deductions, and we need to change our view of people. So if today's episode is all about deductions, what are the other 960 plus episodes about? They're about exploring the school at night, Colleen. Oh, right. Of course. And then finding out that your teacher is has stage fright and she's practicing with dolls. Yep. That's what the rest of the show is about. And it says that you need to change your view of people, so I feel like you have to... Look at me in a better light now, Colleen. Oh, I've always looked at you in the best light. If I change my view, like, it's gonna... <laughs> There's gonna be, like, uh... I mean, I don't want to say downfall, like, <laughs> but... I don't see how I can... Well, let me tell you this, Colleen. I'm, uh... I'm living a bad boy persona now. Is that right? <laughs> Started... Oh, yeah. Started wearing biker jackets. Smoking cigs. I'm cool. Okay, so translation, they're Popeye sticks, and then on the biker jacket it says, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse or something? Pee-wee's... Foiled again. Pee-wee's Riders. Yep, that's my gang, Pee-wee's <laughs> Riders. Yeah, the toughest gang in the Midwest. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not in the Midwest. But you could be if you're in a bike gang. <laughs> Kyle's in the Midwest. Who? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with his turf. He keeps that on lock, you know? Okay. It's on site if you mess with Kyle. <laughs> so is he in a rival gang? Well, we're like affiliated. You know how the Bloods have, uh, you know, affiliated groups all over the place? You know, they're based in Compton, but they're all around. Mm-hmm. Okay. I shouldn't mess with but, you guys then. Well, you know, you're basically gang affiliated just by uh, being on this podcast. This is officially a Bloods podcast. Oh, lovely. This podcast about yep. law enforcement. Snitches do, in fact, get stitches. While on the phone, Hiroshi is told by Matsuhiko <laughs> to bring Kawako's insurance to the hospital and says that it should be in a room. He says that she hasn't been taken out of the operating room yet and that her condition has gotten worse. He then wonders if she'll die and Hiroshi says he's an idiot for thinking that way and that he'll be there with the insurance card right away. Uh, what do you think about the fiancé here? He's not very cool. Mm, what did you think of the fiancé? I thought he was a bit of a pussy. Why? Because he's like, oh, I, I want to ride in the ambulance with my love. I don't have an issue with that. If uh, if Kyle was in an ambulance, I'd ride in it with him. Aw. You, on the other hand, probably not. But uh, That's okay. No, because you're like, well, she, she had it coming. It was a s snorkeling accident. She had it coming. You know what they say, you only snorkel if you're ready to die. Do they say that? No. <laughs> I don't think they say that. 
<laughs> oh, that was so convincing, too. Well, before you said no. Harumi was sharing a room with Kiwaku, and she takes them up there, but says she must have left her key inside while she was getting a towel for Kiwaku. Kunia then goes to call the front desk to fetch a spare key. After he does that, Conan asks him if he found a fish while diving earlier. He says he didn't, and he says they all know the beach well, so they all went their separate ways, and they weren't together as a group. However, Masahiko and Kawako were wearing matching wetsuits. How cute. Then you want to go scuba diving <laughs> in matching wetsuits. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, that's how you can tell who's part of your your school of fish. Yep. So they were diving together all that day. He then reveals that Hiroshi, Kawaku, and Masahiko all played together as kids. Now everybody is the same age except for Harumi and Kiwako, who are a year younger. He then says he was thinking of quitting the club in his second year, but after Kiwaku joined, he changed his mind. And he says that I fell in love when I saw her for the first time. And that's when I was like, this guy definitely killed her. Uh, really? I love how he catches well, He's coming off as a creep. Oh, uh, maybe a little. I don't know. He, um, I love when he catches himself tell- like saying this to Conan. He's like, why am I telling this to a little kid? Yeah, it's not often that we get like the inner thoughts of like this one-off character. That was like a r- odd storytelling device that we rarely, rarely ever get in Conan. Like, it's, we see like Conan's inner thoughts a lot, but never like a random third person, you know? Yeah, and I don't know about you, but it felt a little wasted because... He doesn't end up being really an important part of the story unless I missed something. <laughs> but I was like, why is No, that? he basically does nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. He is completely a third will, both in their relationship and in the story. Yeah, that's all he's ever going to be. So, um, I mean, if he gets. Maybe that's why Goshoyama's like, I'm going to have him, let him have his moment. Or maybe it was like the decision of the anime creators. Like, let's let him have this inner monologue. <laughs> the front desk arrives with a key and Kunia finds her key card on the bed. Harumi can't find the insurance card at first, but Hiroshi tells them to look under the box inside the towel. Winds up being there and Hiroshi explains that his grandmother taught him to put things there. That he had told Kiwaku and Matsuhiko about it. Do you have a special place where you hide your your insurance when you're traveling abroad? <laughs> My insurance card. Um, Inside the towel, under the box. Yeah, I'm maybe gonna uh, listen to Hiroshi's grandma and use that trick from now on. <laughs> Why do you need to hide it? I don't understand what this point, like what this trick is for. Is it just to make sure it doesn't get wet or something? Like, uh, or that no know. one steals it. <laughs> Who's trying to steal that? Whoever is trying to take your insurance. Such an unnecessary tip, you know? <laughs> well, you know what grandmothers are like. Yeah, but like he was telling all his friends about it. And like <laughs> they were so impressed that they opted to also use it. Yeah. He was talk <laughs> he's telling them about it like it was the coolest thing ever. Like this definitely yeah, like, yeah, My grandma told me this. She's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. She was a biker chick. Biker chick. Pee-wee's Playhouse Riders. Yep. Pee-wee's Playhouse Riders. Kikura then agrees to take everybody to the hospital in his rental car, and Ron asks to tag along, but he doesn't have space. Ari then says that she'll take her to the hospital, and is seen carrying luggage with her. Ron asks about it, and Ari says that she's going home after she drops off Ran. I'm not going to stay here with a fool like him, she says. Kagura then tells Ari that he has something to discuss with her later. She becomes excited about what he has to say. 
<laughs> wow. I mean, Eri has a lot of self-respect. Like, she still has a thing for Kogoro, obviously, but she can't um, bring herself to keep living with him or whatnot, so she's kind of created her own life. But it's it's kind of cute that she gets excited at the prospect of Kogoro wanting to tell her something in private. Eri starts driving very fast to the hospital, and Ron tells her that she doesn't have to act like this just because her dad didn't notice the ring. Eri says this isn't about the ring, but about the current case. She says that while it's unclear, this is a murder case, and she's mad that Kogoro didn't notice. In his thoughts, Cody then reveals that he's figured out who the killer is, but he hasn't figured out everything. Eri then goes on about what Kogoro wants to talk about, and says that it's likely a test for him. He gets me worried and sees if I have any reaction. He really should stop it, she says. This exchange helps Conan solve the case. So, once again, this test comes back around, Colleen. Yeah. Uh, I found that this particular episode didn't have Conan running around looking for evidence necessarily. It almost sounded like more, he was just talking to people, listening to testimonies, and then just getting ideas. So it was, it was a very cerebral sort of uh, solving of this case. Rest of the students arrive with Kiwako's insurance card, and Ari says that she's leaving already. Ron asks her to wait for her father, but she says, Do you think I have time to talk with a person that has such a confusing look on his face? <laughs> While Kogoro is talking to some female fans, which I thought was really funny. Is that what you ask yourself every time this podcast starts? <laughs> well, I just assume that you always have a confusing look on your face. Do you think I have time to talk to a person... <laughs> With that kind of look on their face. The answer is yes. Yes, you do. Obviously, you I do, because I show up every week. Kenny then asks a nurse for a favor, and the intercom pages Eri and Harumi to the director's room as Kogoro is waiting for them. Most confused by this announcement is Kogoro, who's promptly knocked out by Kenny's wristwatch. I love his little reaction there. He's like, huh? What? <laughs> Kenny then catches Kogoro in a wheelchair, which he just steals from a... The hospital and transports him to the room while apologizing to a nurse for taking it. Man, which I thought it was real funny. Conan just gets away with everything. So he has a nurse call these people on an intercom form. He then steals a wheelchair and then uses the director's office somehow, and nobody really stops him. That's the pull of uh, Kogura, you know. Yeah. Or he yells at Kogura to tell her what he has to say, rather than broadcasting it. And Kogoro remarks how scary she is. Rumi asks to leave as she's worried about Kiwako. And Kogoro says that he doesn't blame her for being worried, as it's the difference between murder and attempted murder. He then says that Harumi is the culprit, so it was the guy's sister. Yeah. And then, like, the rest of the story uh, gets a little uh, funky, if you will. Is that what we're calling incest now? Funky. <laughs> Like, no. It's just... I guess it's, not, I guess it's not actual incest, but... I mean... Too close. They're legally siblings, right? I mean, step-siblings. Yeah, yeah, but it's not blood. No. So so that me- makes it excusable? It's or... the type of incest that's okay. It's the type of... Okay. So, Kogar explains that if a sea snake wanted to bite a human hand, the marks would be around the fingernails, as they have little tiny mouths. Aww. I love that explanation. I was like, you know, that's really good. I can actually see that happening. Yeah, but uh, this 
bite was on her left hand where it couldn't naturally bite. That means the killer went up to her while she was drowning and held the mouth of the snake up to her hand and got it to bite her. Aerie says that Kogoro must have played dumb, but he already knows everything. She then asks what made him suspect Harumi as the killer. He says her drowning wasn't a coincidence as she planned on pretending to drown on purpose in order to test her fiancé, much like how Aerie didn't wear a wedding ring. Ron wonders why Kiwaka would do such a thing, and Aerie says she wanted to know for sure. She flirted with Kogoro and was angry that her fiancé didn't respond. She then planned with Harumi to fake a drowning. Aerie says that the plan started when she asked for a towel. And Harumi's tried to delay it a day since Kogoro was there. I like this part where uh get to see Aerie's detective skills. Because she kind of just takes over explaining here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tends to be what happens when she appears in the episodes. She's almost like an aide for Conan in a way. Kogoro says that Harumi hid the sea snake in her fanny pack and then spotted Kawaku drowning. She then took it out while she was swimming back and had the snake bite her. Gary says that the most important piece of evidence, the snake, has gotten away and that there's no evidence now. However, Kogoro says that the tape that was used to hold the snake inside the fanny pack can still be found inside it. And that the wings that Ron saw was actually some tape. Did you say you had something about the snake you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so, first of all... I wonder how she was storing it. Well, that's part of what I was thinking. Like, where did she even get this snake from? Like... Because they did the sea snake store. The you know. sea snake, yeah, right, right next door to the, I don't know, the, the puffer fish store. Um, because it sounded like the girls came up with the plan sort of on the fly while they were there on vacation. So I'm not sure how she found the snake first of all, and 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 then I felt bad for the snake. You know, she. She didn't treat it very well. Uh, you know what? There's no sea snakes in the Atlantic uh, Ocean, so that's that must be why I never really knew about sea snakes. Right. Oh. There you go. Um, the more they we know. Cannot, they can't live out of water as they're, they're fully adapted to the aquatic life. So yeah, that is interesting um, how she was able to store it. They don't go into that, though. Yeah, so... I mean, by that definition, is was the snake dead when she forced its mouth open and then jabbed the teeth? In? No, it swims away. Yeah. Anyways, I I wasn't really a fan of the snake treatment in this episode. Well, just throwing it in a fanny. Yeah, how is it staying alive in the fanny pack? Manga so- Shoyama, <laughs> like she didn't have salt water all through her fanny pack. No, so she did uh, open up the fanny pack a little bit at the end i think to have its head pop out but even still if it doesn't need air to breathe i'm not sure maybe it does it just comes out out of the water every now and again to get some air but i don't know it that that part of it was a little iffy the whole snake yeah definitely so kigura says that harumi's keycard wallet and everything that was in her fanny pack was emptied out in the room this was so that she could make room for the snake as for a motive, he says that Harumi didn't just like but loved Masahiko, and that they aren't related by blood as they weren't childhood friends. Instead, she's a stepsister that met him more recently. Harumi confesses and says that they met in high school. She fell in love with Masahiko, but Kawako was always closer to him, and she'd get angry whenever she talked about growing up with him. It's like she was pointing out that I didn't know anything about him. 
she says. Uh, she then, okay, first off, I, I, I just gotta say, this Matsuhika fella, why is everybody in love with him? He doesn't <laughs> seem that cool. Yeah, of the three guys, well, no, actually, the, the Shiratori lookalike wasn't that great either, but that other guy who sucked the poison out of her hand, he seemed to be a pretty good catch. See, Colleen's like, Colleen sees a dude sucking on some hand, and she's like, that's a solid catch right there. I saw him work that hand, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that's what I meant. So Harumi hit her feelings and was shocked when she learned that they were getting married. Even though Kawako knows how she feels, she asked her to help pull off this trick. So that's when she decided to attack her. I didn't want to hand over Masahiko to a woman like her, she says. Harumi then tearfully says that she was being stupid and only thinking about herself. This trick would only make him feel more sad. Truly, I'm an idiot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So a nurse runs into the room and says that Kiwako is okay and that she'll be released in a day or two. And who let you guys into this office? The doctor thanks Hiroshi for his emergency treatment. And he said, that was some quality hand sucking, pal. <laughs> yeah, I think I missed that part in the translation, but that's definitely what he said. Yeah, so uh, Kawaku asks about Harumi after she awakes. Kawaku says that she's sorry, and she didn't know her true feelings. Only noticed your seriousness when you rushed out to help me in the sea, she said. I'm really sorry, it's all my fault. So the person that almost died is, like, apologizing over her friend being a psychopath. Yeah. No, I think that was supposed to be the touching moment. Like oh It wasn't God. touching. <laughs> no? Your, it didn't pull at your heartstrings? Absolutely not. <laughs> Rumi also apologizes, and Masahiko is just completely confused. He's like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and not Kawaku too bright, says, is he? Kawaka says nothing's wrong, and that she deserves this for testing someone else's heart. All these people are stupid. <laughs> these kids kind of suck. Yeah, it makes you wonder what they're teaching them in that university. For real. After the ending song, Kegura wakes up, and Ron remarks that he's playing dumb about the ring again. He then pulls out the wedding ring from his pocket, much to everybody's surprise. Did that surprise you? No. <laughs> I knew that oh, was what I he was wanted to talk about. Okay. I was shocked. I was like, whoa, he has the white ring. I mean, the the sandy legs thing surprised me, though. Yeah, he says that he picked it up under the beach umbrella that she was using. Or he asked how he knew that she dropped her ring. And he says, no one wears glasses while drying their hair. That was evidence that you were searching for something. Ron then puts it together that the sand from his legs was from when he was searching for the ring. Conan's impressed that he noticed, and Kegura says Eri couldn't have been more obvious as she was drinking with her left hand and bringing attention to it. Eri being impressed by her husband is very short-lived, though, as a bunch of nurses call out for Kegura, so he begins flirting with him. Just completely immediately. And she walks off angrily and drives off, leaving Ron to declare that she'll succeed next time. I love how determined Ron is. It was like Pinky in the Brain. She was like, <laughs> I'll get them next time, yeah? They will be together again. Meanwhile, Conan says that it'll never happen for them, and it shows Eri driving with her wedding ring on. So I thought this was a really nice ending. I really like Kegor actually having some deduction prowess here and showing off his skills. Um, what do you think about this ending? Yeah, I thought it was really uh, nice to see that Kogoro actually did care about what Eri thought and about the wedding ring and all that. Um, I I felt it was more on the sincere side than the controlling, obsessive side. Because, I mean, 
somebody could equally say that Kogoro, while he wants to gallivant off with all the healthy beach babes, he uh, expects that Aerie's wearing her wedding ring. Because I don't think Kogoro wears his wedding ring, but uh, I, I found it more on the romantic, heartening side of things. Yeah, I, re- I really dug it, too. What did you think about the episode overall? Um, I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, I did enjoy the the secondary plot, if you will, the Ari Kogoro stuff a lot. Uh, I thought the mystery was pretty good. I mean, it got me thinking, because I, I was all over the place with suspects. Um, I guess I expected... <laughs> this is going to sound bad and morbid. I expected... Uh, there to be an actual murder um but you're always so disappointed when somebody doesn't die <laughs> i know it sounds horrible i don't know i just i've been conditioned by these, these canadian girls man what is wrong with you oh man but no it's good that she survived and she's gonna have a happy married life with the guy who we don't really know why everybody wants him um I uh, I will say like okay I have a question so um what did you think of the little plan that the girls cooked up like the fiance wanting to pretend like she was drowning to see if her fiance loved her well I think that women are uh well I respect them dearly they're kind of off their rockers because that that's a completely insane thing to do especially when your fiance can't swim and you're just like putting his life in danger just to see if he like passes the stupid test like the hell is wrong with you yeah so we're on the same page i thought that was so stupid of her to come up with a plan like that yeah i feel like i i really liked this episode when i stopped uh watching it and i i still really like it but that the core plot like just as we were talking through it just all the stuff with the snake kind of is kind of lame and these characters are not all that uh that likable or all that memorable um so it kind of soured me a bit just going over the review of it as, as it sometimes happens but i still think it's a strong case i think the kegaro and airy parts are really important and like just showing them so i think it's a really good case from that aspect and i think the mystery as you were saying the core mysteries it keeps you on your toes and keeps you interested uh, even though like there's some logic leaps that happen and some stuff that isn't great, you know, it's still a, a very solid watch. I really enjoyed this two-parter. Yeah, and I, w- I will say that I found it interesting that uh, Kogro, or Conan, I guess, did the deduction show um, away from everybody. So it was literally just Eri, Ron, and uh, Harumi in the room. And I'm assuming that's because he didn't want to give away that Harumi has feelings for her stepbrother. That would make sense. <laughs> That'd make it a little awkward. At the wedding. Didn't want to bring up the incest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we have another two-parter next week. We're going to... Oh, well, you know what? We have the next kind of tent, which is one half. One half. One half? Okay. Hopefully hopefully it's better than feather. <laughs> oh, I feel but. really bad for missing that. I don't know how the feather came up. Well, it was supposed to be wing, so it was just a bad, bad translation. Okay, let's go with that. So, the mystery writer disappearance case part one and part two next week. So, that should be fun. So, look forward to that. And it looks like Heiji's in it? Yep, it's a Heiji episode. We haven't seen him in such a while. And we're also going to get a new character introduced. Who will it be? 
Um, okay. We're going to keep that a secret. Yeah, we got new characters. We introduced all kinds of fun stuff. So, we'll be back next week. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at case underscore reopened. And uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Deezer, whatever the hell that is. Uh, we're on, we're on every, everything you can be. If you, uh, go to our casereopen.simplecast.com, you can see all of our exciting offerings you can go on to. Uh, Overcast, TuneIn, PocketCast, iHeartRadio. So many things, and then obviously we have an RSS feed, so if you want to put it on whatever podcast app you like, you can do it. That's all all kinds of exciting stuff going on. Yeah, it's right at everyone's fingertips. How do you, how do you listen to your podcast? Uh, I listen uh, to either Spotify or I'll find like a, a web-based one. Okay. Yeah. So you're Spotify gal. Yep. You can listen to us on Spotify. So how it works out. Beautiful page right there on Spotify. Uh, we did not get the $100 million Spotify deal that Joe Rogan did. No, well, that's a shame. Perhaps yeah. next time. Yeah, maybe next time. <laughs> Is there going to be a next time? I don't know. How do you listen to your po- Sorry. How do you listen to your podcast, Tyler? Well, I got an iPhone recently, so I've, I've been using the Apple podcast now. So mostly that, but I used to usually just do it on my laptop, so it'd be uh, through the web. I would just boot it up on their website or whatever, which is kind of old school, but that's how I would typically do it. But now, now I'm I'm full in on the Apple ecosystem, so I've been using using old Apple podcasts. Well, there you go. We are an equal hey Siri, opportunity. No, no, I shouldn't. No, stop. No, I'm not talking to you. Please, please stop listening to me, Siri. <laughs> Did you say? Yeah, Siri is about to talk here, and we do not need her voice on this podcast. We have enough women. <laughs> we don't want any more opinions from women, the women folk. Amen from that. <laughs> uh, Can we get Siri on as a guest next week? Uh, probably could work that. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Okay, no promises. Just we'll, we'll see what we can do, I suppose. All right, that'll do it. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.